having seen the collapse of Building 7, I, I was just sent into a, I think you'd call it a state of cognitive dissonance. There is basically no work on trying to prove global warming isn't true. It has shattered my belief in science to some extent. Not, not, not completely. I mean, you know, I, obviously I, I'm, I'm, I'm a scientist. I know science works. But, it, but it's made me realise that science can be politicised. It makes the ordinary person the enemy so that a few elite people can kind of get us into the mindset of controlling ourselves, controlling our numbers, controlling what we use, diminishing our wealth and our prosperity and our standards of living, basically so that they can have even more control over us. Hello everyone, that was today's guest, Dr. James Boswell. James holds a PhD in physics and writes on geopolitical issues on his Wall of Controversy blog. He contacted me after my appearance on Skeptico, discussing the nature of conspiracy theories, and made some, I think, solid critical comments regarding my sometimes rosy view of their effects. So in this conversation, I asked James about the events that transformed his thinking taking it in a more politically radical direction, and how he manages to put limits on that prior to landing on the flat earth. Here's James explaining how that journey started. It does go back to the Iraq war, which was just a moment where I lost my faith in politics altogether. But specifically, it goes back to watching a DVD, and in the midst of it, there was the clip of the collapse of Building 7, demolition of building seven it was just such a staggering moment shocking it just kind of shocks completely shocked me i mean i'd, I'd already i'd already been thinking about that 9-11 i didn't really believe the official story some years before because uh, my brother-in-law had actually lent me a book the new pearl harbor by uh, david ray griffin and i'd read that and i was pretty much convinced that the story of the planes not being intercepted was implausible. And, you know, this sort of basic lack of security in the fact that they'd flown a plane into the Pentagon so, you know, over an hour after this had started was just so implausible. But I, I thought that was it. And I didn't even bother to read the chapter on the demolition of the buildings because it just sounded mad at the time. So, so I didn't, I, I'd already convinced myself that the, that the, the story was a lie. But somehow I, I, I kind of, I wasn't prepared to go that next step. Okay, interesting for you as a physicist that, you know, because you might have thought, well, oh, that'll be the first chapter you'll go to because your physics-trained brain can confirm or refute this whole narrative quickly. And mm. the other thing I wanted to ask there was when you saw the collapse of Building 7, was that the first time you'd seen it at all? Or was it the first time you'd seen it in the context of someone pointing at it and saying, this is a controlled demolition. Okay, it was it was the first time I'd ever seen it. Um, I think that's true for a lot of people. I've got a feeling that there's millions of people who've never seen that. Still, <laughs> I was surprised when I like had a conspiracy conference here about ten years ago. How many people said oh, I didn't know there was a third building? Like ten years after the event, they had no idea. Exactly. Well, well, this was two thousand six. So I, I think yeah, two thousand six. So this was relatively early, I think. I mean, it still staggers me that I, I spent five years just kind of believing the, the story. As I say, it was kind of, it was getting eroded. You know, the, 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 the New Pearl Harbor book had, had, had nibbled away at the edges. So I, I kind of felt that 
you know, that the, the Americans have let this happen, I suppose. They knew it was coming. But the, but, but the thing about seeing the collapse was, or seeing the demolition was that, that suddenly it, it became apparent that they hadn't just let it happen. They'd, they purposefully sort of sacrificed, I saw it as a human sacrifice to it, of, uh, you know, 3,000 people. Now, how do you think you see the collapse differently by having a, a doctorate in physics, having that kind of physics education? Was it to you just completely implausible based on your knowledge that a building could fall and get up to freeze fall speed? That's a really good question. The funny thing is that when I first saw the collapse of the towers, and I w- I'd been teaching that day and I got, got back, I mean, my students had actually stopped me in the class. You know, it's one of those moments, isn't it? Like JFK moment where uh, you remember where you were. And uh, it was an odd one because I was teaching this lesson on uncertainty. And then the student basically said, you know, what's happening? <laughs> and they said, no. And they said, you know, a plane's flown into the Twin Towers and, uh, and or two planes have flown in and uh, one of the towers has now collapsed. And I just was like, you, are you, you know, not are you joking exactly, but is this real, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, and he said, yes. And, and, you know, it's like one of these moments I should have been, uh, obviously, as a teacher, I should have said, why the hell are you listening to your radio? <laughs> you're, supposed, you're supposed to be listening to me, but, but it was like way beyond that. So I just let them get on with it. So, so, you know, on the way back, I didn't know what the hell to expect. I got back feeling like, do I want to even see this? You know, it sounds so horrible. And because you get back and you can't avoid seeing it because it's all over the news. So, you know, I saw the, the towers falling repeatedly over and over again at that time. Um, I'm not a structural engineer. You know, I just thought, okay, that's what towers, it looked odd, but just thought that must be what towers do. I don't know. So to answer your question, um, no, it didn't, didn't make me, you know, just seeing the collapse of towers didn't, didn't immediately. Okay. But in contrast to building seven, because I mean, I think you're aware, I interviewed David Chandler, the physicist who's quite prominent in the truth movement a few years ago. And I spent like a few weeks before that, going around the internet, gathering up all the most difficult gotcha questions I could put to him, right? I, I consulted people who talk about the subject endlessly online. And in the end, I brought nothing from, uh, in regard to building uh, seven questions, okay? Because I couldn't formulate any that made sense in my head to explain it. Whereas the Twin Towers, I thought, well, yeah, I could plausibly see how if the, um, if the, the horizontal beams sag, that's an incredible amount of weight on the vertical beams, they pull them in, and then the top section, all it's got to do is knock the floor beneath it, and then it's going to have an increasing mass every time it hits, and it's not like pushing through a solid uh, structure. So the, the, on the Twin Towers, as you say, it looks, it looks weird, and it looks weird to me to watch it now, just the, the way they just go off instantly. Um, and, and so uninterrupted in the, in the fall they make then. But I could accept that that could be something that happens, right? But with Building 7, I just couldn't. I couldn't wrap my head around in any way there being a plausible account for how a building can essentially, as, as Chandler puts it, put up no resistance to its own collapse. Absolutely. I mean, the famous footage of Dutch controlled demolition expert Danny... Yeah, Javenko. Uh, when he was shown that footage and he'd never seen, he didn't know what he was looking at. And they showed him building seven and he's, and they, they asked him what it was and he said, controlled demolition. And they said, are you sure? And he says, yes, I'm absolutely sure. And they say, okay, well, this is a building that, you know, collapsed on the same day as the Twin Towers. And he says, you know, well, how can that be? He's just, he's clearly like, just 
can't make any sense of it. And he says, you know, it must be incredibly fast work. They must have hmm. um, set, set the charges really quickly. whatever. Um, and then they show him the, the, the Twin Towers and ask him, you know, is this controlled demolition? And he says, just as certainly, no. Right. Which I find very interesting because, I mean, I believe they are obviously both uh, controlled demolitions. But I think the reason why he doesn't think that they're, well, this is on the first show, obviously, he may have changed his mind. But I think the reason why he, he says that is because the, the, the Building 7 demolition is so obviously a classic demolition. It, it happens at the bottom of the structure and the building collapses into it. It's just mm. obvious. Whereas the, the, uh, the towers aren't blown up that way. They're, they're, they're kind of blown up cleverly, you know, from the impact of the plane zone. And it's, it's, a, it's no, no controlled demolition ordinarily would be done in that way. So, you know, I, I fully understand why he, he thought that wasn't at first sight. But 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 was absolutely had no doubt at all that Building Seven was. So how did you progress on from there? Because I know you end up giving presentations on the physics of the collapse. Was that an angle you particularly focused on then in your research? Not particularly. That's a that's a that's an interesting question and a long story. Really, I mean, my initial having seen the collapse of Building Seven, I, I was just sent into a, I think you'd call it a state of cognitive dissonance. And that's a very overused term these days, unfortunately, because it's a very particular state of mind, you know, where you basically, you know, one thing is true and you're told it isn't. And these two things are utterly incompatible. And it, and it creates this unbelievable psychological strain, basically. And so for about three days, I was, I was kind of in shock. Uh, I mean, really, the world just felt odd. And I had a friend at the time who, who'd gone through the same process, was going through the same process, and she'd seen the same clip and, had, and it had the same effect. And we kind of talked about it, which was good at the time because I needed someone <laughs> to, to kind of, you know what I mean? Like it, was, it was like I just the one person who actually you know, was going through the same thing. Um, eventually, they, they actually changed their mind, amazingly. Uh, went back to, um, you know, went back to they, they managed to get the blue pill again or whatever, which I find remarkable. It shows how fiercely people will protect their, you know, kind of sanity. That's not, but you know what I mean? Like, well, I don't know if you can answer this or not, but it's certainly an interesting segue. Did you perceive they changed their mind back because they analyze the physics and go, oh, no, look, it looks incredibly unlikely, but this is how, how office fires can indeed do that. Or did they change their mind just because it's this outlier fact that doesn't fit with anything else we know about the world or anything else we think we know about how the world works, that the US government are blowing up buildings in New York. And so the outlier is essentially discarded and we have to say, okay, the prevailing paradigm must be correct and everything gets dragged back into that. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's definitely the second. I mean, I, I, don't want to, I don't want to confuse the issue, but this friend of mine is Jewish as well. And I think they got a sense that there's a kind of anti-Semitic, trope behind some of the uh, way this was presented and oh, right. you know and this scared them off basically as well which with hindsight i understand but nevertheless i mean i, I just find it extraordinary that you can you can go there and and and, and kind of have the, the the veils pulled away and then put them back again <laughs> you know she would deny this of course she she she, she found a site i can't remember it was one of these debunking sites tried to convince me you know um, as I was like presenting her with more and more issues because as soon as you go down the 9-11 rabbit hole it's just almost seems bottomless I mean it's just mm. you know it's just you never know where to stop it's one thing after another which 
you know, going back to your question, was it all about the collapse of Building 7? Not at all. I mean, it was just, it was just everywhere, you know, it was like, <laughs> what, 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 you know, what, what part of this story actually holds up? So sorry, yeah, no, I, I was actually just segued there, but I was asking about your sort of intellectual journey from the point, from that point onwards. Well, I, I then got ridiculously ambitious, you know, as you, as you can do. And I thought, you know, I think a lot of people, they, they, they realise that, you know, they know something that everyone needs to know. So they start getting um, proselytising and, um, you know, somewhat aggressive. No, no, I'm, I'm not aggressive, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, sort of saying things when you, when you be wise or not to. Yeah, well, you kind of make sense, right? Because you have to go through that experience of that not working. Because you think, it should, before you tried it, you think it should work, right? You're going to show everyone that video and everyone's going to go, oh, yeah, gosh, it's wrong. It, Exactly, exactly. I mean, my idea, you know, I, I just thought at the time, well, just show people that video with like a cartoon version, you know, with like um, George W. Bush pushing a plunger and then the building collapsing, you know, and that's it and everyone will just understand, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, how, that's how obvious it seemed to me. It's like, you know, that's how it, it just blown my mind in such a way that I just thought everyone would just understand this. And gradually I came to, to realise that, no, it doesn't work like that. You know, um, you, can, you can have a situation where, People even change their mind, like my friend did, or another good friend of mine who's a physicist who worked at Kent at the time, Kent University. And I, and I, I, I showed it to him, you know, I, I wanted, you know, I said, look at this, like basically, you know, this is, this is a controlled demolition. And he managed to come up with reasons why. This was, by the way, before NIST's reports, which, you know, so there wasn't, it was kind of, there wasn't so much to go on. Yeah, that's a National Institute for Standards and Technology reports for the yeah, official government reports yeah. into the collapses yeah because they, they basically they held off really giving any account of building seven which i suppose was quite cunning in a way because it meant that you couldn't criticize their actual arguments so what happened was that people who wanted to debunk it came up with their own arguments and this is kind of what my friend did you know he kind of came up with, with arguments about well, why that might be possible and it was like he was just so obviously clutching at straws you know it's like and of course, then eventually they did release the, the final report. And um, well, David Chandler does a brilliant job of, of getting them to admit, basically, that it must have been blown up. Although they don't actually say that, but they do say it fell at free fall speed, mm. which even this friend of mine, if I could have presented that to him at the time, I think he would have had to have backed off. Because, you know, to a physicist, free fall speed is, means no resistance. So that's <laughs> You can't, you cannot account, you know, the, the, the argument at the time was, well, it's not quite free fall speed. Yeah. And that, that, that little bit of leeway there is like, you know, but as soon as you, as soon as you actually acknowledge it's free fall speed, there's the, the, really the, the argument that it's not demolition, it's gone, I think. Hmm. Yeah, I couldn't. And that's the, exactly the point. I, I asked people, uh, okay, you know, I'm interviewing David Chandler, and what should I say about Building 7? And there were arguments like, the the internal structures of the building fell first and then they pulled on the outer facade so it gave the impression of free fall speed but it wasn't really it was because the external was being pulled on by the internal and i i thought about this and i thought oh, there's no way i'm going in an interview with david chandler and, and saying that I'm just, it doesn't make any sense in my mind at all i'm just gonna he's gonna look at me like <laughs> yeah i it's not what happened is it I mean, I mean, the beauty of it is, of course, they, they ran their own, um, you know, eventually they did the simulation, which is a, you know, finite element analysis simulation, perfectly valid way of approaching it. But of course, they couldn't make it work. Um, and, what, and what I love about this is, you know, that you, you've got this team. I mean, they, they're given an impossible task, basically. 
it's like, right, you, you've got to explain how this building collapsed, but you're not allowed to use the method that actually was used. <laughs> you know, we, we're telling you there were some office fires uh, here and here. <laughs> now come up with a way that makes it collapse like it was blown up. Given that, they, 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 they try their best. They spend about, I think it's about seven years on it. And they managed to get what they call the initialization, I think, where, you know, it just starts to go. And then the building obviously starts to crumple. I don't know if you've seen the simulation. Um, and then yeah. Just, yeah. And then they just stop it. <laughs> well, why do they stop it? Because it doesn't look anything like what actually happened. Right? So. Okay. So on, on your journey, then you're, you, you've had this experience and then you've tried to communicate with people and found that's not going quite as you expect. So what's the next, what's the next step for you? So, you know, you get, you get ambitious, like I say, so, you, you know, you start off with 9-11 and then because you, you, you enter the rabbit hole more thoroughly and you, you don't know, you know, your first thought is what, where, where on earth do you are, what's true and what isn't true. You know, there, there is a great danger in, 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 in going into this place. There's no question. Perhaps it isn't for everyone. You know, perhaps some people can go mad. I don't know. Because, you know, once, once you start to not know what reality is, then everything appears to be plausible. Yeah, you know, that's so a question that troubles me quite a bit. Yeah, in doing this, it's a massive question. Now, I, I've explored that a lot, and I I feel like I kind of know where the edges are. You know, so I, I mean, I went into I went into everywhere. You know, I, I mean, on the one hand, I went into um, you know what are called chemtrails. I mean, that's that's mm. a kind of area that I, I I wouldn't entirely write off chemtrails. By the way, I mean, the, the, the very name is off-putting. If we call it geoengineering, it seems very plausible to me that, that that is going on um very hard to prove i don't know i don't know anyway i mean i mean let's let's not go there but i mean you know that's what one, one angle so so you're looking up at the sky at that time and you, you're seeing these things and you're thinking are they spraying me <laughs> you know and that's not a very pleasant thought and then you know on the other uh, extreme if you like start looking into child sexual abuse mm. and you know, satanic sexual abuse it ends up going there as well you know and and, you know, and this is a very dark place. It's not a place that I really wanted to, to look into at all, to be honest. If, you, if you're honest with yourself, you kind of end up going everywhere. And then, you know, as you're, as you're kind of going in everywhere, you, you start firming up ideas, often wrong ones, I think, about what isn't isn't true. And you also, in my case, you get a desire to basically try and spread the information or possibly disinformation because at that time you may not know what is true and what isn't true you know so could you describe that process a little more of maybe going over the edge into madness you're stepping into a world everything you know is now gone everything you've thought you about the world and then it is one of my big concerns it's something that you can't stop yourself doing for a while well, well then you know if they could bring the twin towers down then blooming anything is possible maybe there is a massive satanic cult that one percent of the population are actually involved in and it's going on all over the place, but everyone's protecting everyone else. Maybe, maybe they are spraying chemicals from the sky. It's all sorts of ways that it becomes infinitely expansive. Okay. And then usually some of us have an experience where we find out something like that isn't true. It's demonstrably false. It's a demonstrable fabrication. And that makes us think, oh, now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We can't go too far here. Did you have any kind of, well, maybe can you describe your process of, coming to reassert boundaries around the world and reassert a kind of truth falsehood dichotomy i don't think there's anything specifically that that, that that i got into that that i feel like there was you know there was absolutely nothing to it at all i mean i think 
it's quite evident to me that there is some kind of satanic underpinning somewhere. That's not to say that Satanists run the world, but there is some kind of stuff going on in Hollywood and it's dark. Sure. Well, none of these things are not true, are they? Like, whatever the extent of chemtrails are, right, it's really clear that US government agencies have done geoengineering experiments and experiments like Operation Popeye in the Vietnam War to uh, cloud seed to flood the Viet Cong supply lines. And it's pretty clear they didn't do a successful run of this in 1963 and then decide just to never do it again, right? So there's obviously something in it. And I think obviously we, you know, we've just lived through the Epstein saga, but going back to um, all the similar sagas that were happening in Franklin and Nebraska and the Kenora uh, in, um, in Britain, it's clear that there is a, a role for paedophilia in these sort of powerful elite centers of society and maybe sometimes they pull on devil horns while they're doing it so there's some truth in all of this but then in terms of scale it can be infinitely expansive if you think that every airplane has a special chemical canister in it that's that's spraying or so if you think that satanism is like as expansive as people thought it was in the 80s when the world went kind of mad on it so it's that kind of like not that anything is untrue necessarily but how do we get a sense of like scale in that? Did, do you, did you go on a kind of journey of that kind of finding balance there? Absolutely. But it's, it's such a, that's such a brilliant question. Um, and put it so well, I'm not sure I can, I mean, it, there's, there's nothing specific that I can latch onto. It's more of a kind of a, a reining in of, 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 the, of the danger somehow. Do you know what I mean? It's not, and not, 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 not dismissing it, but, but, you know the the, the the borderline between paranoia and I, I came up with the term clownoia <laughs> or something like this. You know, like actually knowing uh, that you know being open to the truth, even if it's horrible, hmm. uh, is is a tough border. But I, I, I think for a time, you know, I, I was more on the, I was on, I'd kind of entered over onto the more paranoid side, shall we say? Looking back on it, um, you know, so. With things like satanic symbols, I'd noticed them, you know, uh, pyramids and stuff or something like this. And it's easy to start seeing this everywhere if you're not careful. How, did, how, how do you find the boundaries again? It's, you know, um, William Blake in the Proverbs of Hell says, if the fool would persist in his folly, he would become wise. And I kind of think that's what you do. <laughs> You know, you, you kind of persist in your folly and eventually you start to realise that you, you start to realize where, where the edges are start to become clearer to you, basically. Mm. So, like you say, the, these, these, um, this use of child abuse is definitely real. Um, a lot of that is blackmail purposes, of course. So it becomes more, like you say, you, 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 it's, it's not that... The Satanism isn't the biggest part of this by any means. You know what I mean? It's like we don't know what the hell these people at the top really believe. But the, but the means of politics is a lot dirtier than most people ever really grasp. I think that's where you kind of end up. So you realize that, you know, blackmail is, is, is standard common practice, you know, compromise, if you like. That's what we call it if it was Soviet or Russian or something. That's what we use. That's how we keep these people on their leash. You know, um, and so Kim Cora Boy's home was classic compromat. Uh, Epstein, same thing. Uh, what was the other one? The uh, Perfumo uh, affair, again, 
is clearly, when you look at it now, that's all it is, isn't it? It's just an, an operation of, of, of Compromat. Another thing I found interesting when we talked previously was you, you talked about global warming and that as being one of the things that was maybe outside of the realm of what you questioned because you're a scientist and global warming having scientific backing and that then being quite a, a paradigm shifting event in your mind. Could you talk about your perceptions of that and how they shifted? If we go back to before, you know, the the sort of 2006 um, eye-opening 9-11 uh, stuff, I was very much um, a fervent, really, um, believer in global warming, as it was known then. I mean, I'd actually say I'd studied one uh, on one of my modules at university, the, um, the very basics of, of global warming, which, which I mean, are, are valid, which is basically that if you take a, a rock, this, you know, at the position of the Earth, uh, going around the sun and you just do some very simple calculations you find that the average temperature is considerably lower than the surface temperature of the earth um i can't remember off the top of my head it, it's something like maybe 30 40 degrees lower or whatever and so the the way that you account for this difference is you put an atmosphere on and the atmosphere traps some heat and warms the surface temperature so you know the very basic idea of, of global warming is, is is valid i mean like greenhouse gases are real and so naively, um, if you just put more greenhouse gases into the atmosphere, it seems logical that there's going to be an increase in surface temperature. That's the very most basic level. That's, but that's the level at which um, this discussion is usually held, you know, on, on, in the newspapers on a BBC or something like this. And naively, I bought into that. Um, I'd never really thought about it. And then as everything started to kind of crumble, I started to think, well, what about this? You know, is, is this really is this really true? And and strangely, this this friend of mine who who uh, who'd seen the collapse of Building Seven and and then um, and, and then rewound and, and gone back to normal or whatever, um, her dad was actually a, a, a kind of specialised in, in global warming. And so as, as, as I started to doubt everything. I, I said, you know, could, can I ask him some questions? Because I'm start, you know, I, I'm not sure about some of these. I, I, I wanted to believe at this point still, you know, and I was just like, well, can I can I ask your, your dad some questions about, you know? So I wrote him an email with these questions on it, um, and he answered them very honestly, and um, and they were kind of fair enough answers, but but the sort of doubt remained, I suppose. And anyway, as as, as the, the biggest question really. For global warming was well two things i suppose what why would they do you know why would they construct a narrative of this kind what's what's the purpose that's one question and at the time i didn't have an answer to that and the other question was how on earth could they do it i'm a scientist i mean how can you make a load of scientists who are deeply suspicious questioning kinds of people i i, I always thought you know, how could you get them all to sign up to something that's not true, if it isn't true? You know, so, so that alone seemed to quash the doubts for a while. But I gradually came to realise that, and this was, this was, you know, this was one of the many shocks to my system, really. Like, because science was one of the things that, you know, I, I held more faith in even, you know, than anything, really. To, to, to believe that science itself could be corrupted was 
was really shocking. Um, but, I, but I gradually came to the view that, that it can be. Now, now I'm not saying that, that there's no truth at all to global warming in the sense that if you put CO2 in the atmosphere, it won't add a certain warming effect. It may do that. But what's really, what I, what I came to realize was that the, the debate itself is very, very bad and unscientific. So that we should be, you know, I wanted to just ask the question, basically, is it possible this is not true? And again, going back to the other friend of mine, the one I, I discussed the, the collapse of Building 7, and he came up with a lot of excuses for that. And I, I tried to venture the question of global warming because he'd done some work on it. And I said, well, how do we even measure global temperature? And he just pushed back and said, with thermometers, which is a silly answer, really. It's, it's, a, it's like, yeah, and obviously, you know, that's flippant. It's like actually taking that habit and something James Corbett actually talked about in one of his and it's valid. I mean, it's like, how do you do this uh, averaging of, of global surface temperatures? Not straightforward question at all, actually. Um, and so, that, you know, there are many, many questions bound up in global warming. Um, this is why I've, I've not, I'm certainly not a specialist in, 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 in climate science or anything. It's only something that I've kind of brushed against, really. But nevertheless, it's obvious to me that the debate is a very controlled debate. It's, it's kind of non-debate, really. I mean, I, I absolutely oppose the use of the word denier. It's disgusting. You shouldn't be talking about deniers in a people who are questioning scientific theory are skeptics. That's all, and that's what science is built on skepticism. You know, so to to, to call a, a yeah, it, it's denier. obviously intended to have a psychological effect. But you don't want to be one of those people, right? Absolutely, you don't want to be a denier implying a and it's Holocaust, it? it's, it, it's clearly saying you all know better than the people who say there wasn't a Holocaust, which is just appalling. Because what is a climate denier, whatever the hell that means? What is a, uh, a, a, a climate change skeptic? And, the, and the very, by the way, the very term climate change is, is already, you know, shifting the goalposts because this wasn't all about global warming. But now we talk about climate change. Well, I don't think that's... You know, that didn't happen by chance. It just allows you to talk about everything now as a, a possible result of this. But what are we actually questioning? You know, it, th th there's kind of embedded things that we're questioning, really. One is um, the question of, is the, is the world warming? And the answer seems to be yes. But then the question is, is it warming exceptionally quickly? And the answer seems to be probably not. But, of course, that already makes me a denier to say that. Uh, then the next question is, is this warming caused by CO2? And the answer is possibly, although the, the answer I should give is definitely, of course, but in their own models, it's not the CO2 that causes the, war the bulk of the warming, of course, it's, it's a feedback process. And the main greenhouse gas is actually water vapour. Now, people who've looked into this a bit know that very well, and they don't have, you know, if they, if they, if they believe in global warming, then they don't have an issue with that. If they don't believe in global warming, that's the end of it. I don't really look at it in either way exactly. I just think that it needs to be made, it should be made clear that, that, that this warming is really all about water vapour. Yeah, it is interesting, the massive divide between public perception and yeah. what the science is actually saying. 
on this. So I think most people think that the warming that is going to be catastrophic is as a direct result of CO2. And, and that's not, not true. It is, it is water vapor is the big corporate CO2 is like a limited warming effect. And also, like, even when I've, I've put to people who have been really, really concerned about this, that CO2's ability to increase temperature diminishes the more of it you add. So by analogy, like if you put a, a coat of white paint over a pane of glass, you might take 60% of the light away and the next coat, you'll take it up to 90 and the next coat, you'll take it up to 98. But every other coat is not going to diminish much more uh, light coming through. And so it is with CO2 that after you get beyond a certain number of parts per million, it can't force any more temperature rising. And that's just not, people that's are just right. completely yeah, that's aware of that. Right. Um, uh, that. I mean, this is it. And, and you have, if you try and speak to ordinary people about this, they, they tend to just, they just don't, they, they don't want to listen to it because they've been told by these experts and that's it. And you're, you know, you, you get, you get accused of things like, you know, so you believe, so you're, you just believe in whatever Nigel Lawson says or whatever it is, you know, it's like, no, <laughs> you just believe in whatever the BBC says, you know, it's like, I actually know, I find it offensive to be honest, because obviously I do know quite a lot more than the average person about this because I am trained in science. So I do know how to think about these things a bit more, you know, and um, once you start to look into it, you know that this is a complicated, you know, really complicated question. And the reason why, you know, really people should hold off with these, you know, claims that we're going to, we're in some kind of catastrophic place is that this basically is all worked out through these models in the end because there's so many feedback systems and so on um, the only way to to determine is through these computer uh, through these well yeah computer models these uh, climate models and these climate models are, are, are basically wildly divergent in themselves so they don't, they don't even agree with one another so we're kind of, in a funny kind of way, we're kind of back to the thing with WTC7, Building 7, you know, the, the, the fact that, that at the end of the day, they didn't keep any of the um, evidence to, to determine how, how, it was, uh, how it fell down. Instead, they, they ran all these computer models on it. And, you know, they only keep the computer model that they want, that, 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 that looks like the one they want, basically. And they, you know, to a great extent, this is exactly what goes on in climate science, as far as I can see. I mean, if you have a computer model that's bringing back answers that don't, basically don't have the necessary warming, then the odds are you're not going to get funding. So you're probably going to change your model slightly. But all these models are different. Like I say, they're all giving different results. So, you know, but they're all showing warming. Sure. I, I think there's another comparison in that like with your friend, WTC7 is an anomaly, right? It doesn't fit in a normal paradigm of how the world works. So it's a, a paradigm shattering event and you need to go off and look for a whole new model of, of what's going on. And it's the same with climate change. If you live in a relatively conventional worldview in your own mind, there's no way that a, a view of a vast conspiracy of climate change being fostered on humanity. So the CIA and David Rockefeller can take control of the world's resources in any way makes sense, right? You have to move to this different position to, to get close to it. And people can believe that Nigel Lawson is um, 
well, yeah, not entirely honest, let's say, or has a particular worldview, or they can believe that corporations want to downplay global warming to keep the money flowing in. But the idea there will be a kind of green left agenda to promote it is, I think, beyond most people's comprehension. And this even things like, well, when the, the factoid I find interesting about it is the 97% of scientists believe, okay, because if that number has any value, it's demonstrating that 97% of scientists, climate scientists, think that there's uh, humanity has significantly contributed to warming. And it's not clear what significant means, but maybe it means around half a degree, because that's what you can detect over the past 100 years, and even if it's accurate, right? And there may be wider questions about that. But it gets portrayed in the media as 97% of climate scientists think the world is going to go on fire within our lifetimes unless we act now, and which is not what's said at all, right? Uh, but, but that's very, very easy to demonstrate. Uh, but even in demonstrating it, people don't then go, oh, okay, hang on, there's a big scam going on here. I, I've been duped by this. I've been duped by the way this has been reported. It gets kind of filed and, okay, that was a mistake, but the wider paradigm must hold up because to acknowledge this would cause a massive fracturing of our faith in the scientific establishment and the wider political and media establishments. It has shattered my belief in science to some extent. Not, not, not completely. I mean, you know, I, obviously I, I'm, I'm, I'm a scientist. I still... I still, I know science works, um, but but it's made me realise that science can be politicised. The thing is, that it it is hard to understand how, you know, a conspiracy, if you like, it's not really a conspiracy. You see, that's the thing. It's like, it's not like you know, conspiracy makes it sound like all the scientists, all the uh, climate scientists, sat around trying to work out how to how to con everyone, right? And they're working on behalf of, I don't know, the the left, whatever that is. Well. Uh, firstly, I mean the, the the money is actually coming from um, corporations a lot. Of, you know, it's like the uh, the WEF are very into this, and uh, they're not the left. <laughs> you know, uh, the the banking side of this, the finance people are very very involved in this. You know, if you look at uh, COP twenty six or whatever, it's all the finance people who you know who do really pull the strings. Is it is it the industrialists or the financiers? I think I think the financiers are, are, are a little bit higher there, aren't they? So. I think that there is a conspiracy at work at those higher levels. But when it comes to the scientific side of this, the, you don't need a conspiracy of scientists as such. What you need is, is a conspiracy in the way that you fund, essentially. Because if you're not giving money for scientists to look into something, then there's going to be no work on it. You know? And there is basically no work on trying to prove global warming isn't true. There just isn't. And it hasn't been for a long time. So, so there is only one bunch of people, basically. The only people working on this are people who already believe in it and are looking for projections of the future and ways of ameliorating the consequences of it. Yeah, and that's the, the interesting thing to observe, really, how a small conspiracy, a small group of conspirators can get everyone on board without everyone being involved in a conspiracy through, as you say, funding or um, setting the... Um, the range of outcomes for a piece of research or legislation. Yeah. How you can create this this vast image about everyone being in on it. Yeah, it's it, it just, this is one of the things that you do come to realise, I think, is that the world just doesn't work like that. You know, most people, even people in positions of authority probably, are actually trying to do the right thing. Or maybe they're just keeping their heads down. But they're not actively engaged in trying to deceive you know, having said that, there are plenty of people who are, clearly. I mean, if you look at the media, um, you know, it, it, these days it's just rife with 
liars, frankly. Um, you know, people who just write stories that, that are, are, are blatantly untrue and don't seem to care. <laughs> so that doesn't help because we, we've, got, we've obviously got a media that's uh, very corrupted. I mean, it doesn't seem to be any holding back within the media. And, and, and going back to uh, global warming, as I say, there just isn't, there, there isn't anyone on the other side working on this, apart from, you know, the, the marginalised outliers who are just dismissed anyway, mm. people like Roy Spencer. Or, um, there's lots of these people, actually, who, who, who do really good work and criticise the... I mean, Roy Spencer doesn't say that there's no global warming. What he says is that there's, you know, the, the warming is being caused by changes in the oceans, you know, because the oceans are a massive heat storm. So... You know, there are other plausible explanations, even if the world is warming a bit. The, the world has, the, the climate has changed constantly throughout the whole history of the Earth. So, you know, it's kind of bizarre that, I mean, the most bizarre thing about climate change, I think, is that there's this kind of implicit idea that somehow this is the optimum climate. This. <laughs> no, and yesterday yeah. it wasn't, because yesterday it was 40 degrees and today it's 25 this is optimum, yesterday wasn't, <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, who says what's an optimum temperature of the year? You know? Yeah, there are these unspoken philosophical assumptions behind it, right? The philosophical underpinnings, which we're not conscious of, like, well, what is the ideal temperature of the earth? Is it what it would be if humans weren't around? Because there is, is an underpinning. Uh... Oh, sorry, there's, there's an anti-human agenda, yes. isn't there? This is the thing, and th and this this is this is the thing. This this is where there is when when you go when you go into the the, the, the depths of this, you do find this anti-human agenda. You just cannot avoid it. You know the the, the stuff, the the WEF stuff, the Great Reset stuff, the the Georgia Guidestones, if you like, you know, with the the population, um, all this population control stuff. This is real, and it, and it stands to reason that the people, let's call them the plutocrats. The people in charge, the people with the wealth, um, the handful who basically want the whole lot for themselves. There's nothing very hard to understand about this. You know, it's 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 a human thing to be greedy and want power. You know, lots of people, then the people who get to the top tend to be more like that. So why should we be surprised if the handful of people who got all, you know, have grabbed all this power for themselves are using it to basically take away everything? as far as they can from the rest of us. So take away, um, you know, so going back to why would you want global warming? You know, why would you create this, um, this concept in the first place? And, and this is it. And, and this may, basically makes us the enemy. It makes the ordinary person, the species, if you like, the enemy. So that a few elite people can kind of get us into the mindset of controlling ourselves, controlling our numbers, controlling what we use, diminishing our wealth and our prosperity and our standards of living basically so that they can have even more control over us and that's um, entirely plausible and it seems to be quite obviously what's going on i mean the wef great reset more or less puts it in black and white okay james i think we'll conclude here for today it'd be great to have you back on to talk about some of the stuff you blog on in the future so maybe just give a shout out for your two different blogs and i will link to them in the comments box below my main blog is wall of controversy one word that's a wordpress blog 
And the other one is uh, why I stopped believing 9-11 myth. That's all one word as well, which is also a WordPress blog. And there's also uh, that YouTube clip of me doing the lecture on the collapse of Building 7. Brilliant. I'll link to them all below. Thank you very much. Thanks very much.